Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the NBA Front Office Show. We've got a lot of news to break down, a bunch of things going on in the NBA. Keith, uh, let's kick things off with Marcus Smart, his comments about the Celtics. Another tough loss for Boston. Um, you go ahead and get going on that. I'll be back in about 20 minutes or so. That work? Yeah, that's perfect. Okay, perfect. I would say go grab a sandwich, but it's a little late at night. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe a bowl of ice cream or something. Uh, you know, go go get things set up for the Lakers game. That's going to start here in about an hour or so. That's right. And you can just, uh, you know, kick your feet up. But, yeah, not, uh, not, not good times in Boston. Uh, they threw, and let's call it 20 – well, 24, probably about 34 minutes of their game against the Bulls. Mm -hmm. They looked really good. They were absolutely dominating Chicago. They they came came out with good energy, getting the ball up and down the floor, really playing really good defense, uh, making a bunch of plays. And then with about two minutes to go in the third quarter, they lit up a couple baskets. And it, at the time, maybe didn't seem like a big deal. But those are the ones that kind of bite you because that's where you give the team hope. We talk mm -hmm. about that a lot, especially with with um, bad teams. But it happens with good teams, too. And and it would have been very easy for the Bulls to say, all right, we've gotten off to this really good start. We're on the road. Let's pack it in. And then in the fourth quarter, the Celtics became the first team in the shot clock era. So almost 60 years oh. of basketball to or almost yeah i guess over 60 years maybe close getting close to 70 years to uh, be have a lead of 14 or more points in the fourth quarter and lose by 14 or more points as they were outscored 39 to 11 uh not a record a couple more quick bad stats the the uh, bulls uh shot 13 of 16 in the quarter they of their three misses, they rebounded two of them themselves, <laughs> and then the third one went out of bounds for a team rebound back to the Bulls. The Celtics had zero defensive rebounds in the quarter, and Boston was uh, I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was something bad of a lot of shot attempts themselves and zero for eight from three. So, this is not the full scale breakdown show. We're not doing that. We're going to do a lot of news because what came after that is where it got yes. really kind of messy. Ime uh, Udoka did his normal thing. Uh, just for those who don't know, process is almost always the head coach speaks first mm -hmm. uh, in post-game media. And then because we're in this new Zoom world, there's no scrum setup where you can just approach right. players. Uh, what it becomes is now the teams provide X amount of players to the podium in the arena where whoever's covering the game in person will be um, or uh, via Zoom. Uh, for everybody else. So the Celtics announced that it would be Marcus Smart, Al Horford, and Jalen Brown. Uh, Al Horford, uh, excuse me, Marcus Smart was first, uh, came out, and initially was just kind of normal stuff you'd hear. We let go of the rope. We right. gave him hope when we shouldn't have, blah, blah, blah. But then he kind of went in a little bit on Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Now, people have probably seen the quotes. Uh, if you have the chance to go watch him speak, it, it, plays differently when you hear it than mm -hmm. if you're just reading it. Uh, the one that is really floating around is that late in the game, they, they don't want to pass. And how he said it is very different than what he said right. there. And it was more of, we get them the ball. They don't want to give it up because they know like their job is to be the scorers and all that. And what basically Marcus Smart's point was is, I want the ball more, not 
to be a scorer by any means. That's not what he was saying. And people went crazy and Mm -hmm. reacted to that. He just wants to set up his two guys. He wants to make life easier on them. And he thinks they can do that. He also talked about they, they get slow. They go into these, uh, you know, ISO sets that have little to no ball and player movement. Uh, Isolation is the most common end game action. Every team runs it that way just about at the end of games. But it's, it's annoying, the Celtics, but it's, it's annoying, yeah. but it's true. But you see it. It's it drives true. me crazy. Yeah. Like, why Why yep. do we go away from, and this is not just Celtics, it's everybody. Why do we go no. away from what got you to that point at the yeah. end of the game? And like, I honestly it's crazy. truly believe that's why some games end up closer yeah. than they probably should be down the stretch. But uh, the only team that I know of that really doesn't do it very often is Utah. Utah still runs their stuff. Yep. You know, and now maybe – that's why Utah wins a ton in the regular season and then fails in the postseason because they don't have that isolation game to go to. But anyway, it's been a problem all the way back to the bubble for the Celtics in close games. They walk the ball up the floor. They they go to these isolation sets that have no movement. Very, they, it's not even. Oftentimes, there's not even a screen. It's just playing straight out of you know ISO. Not not even you know, working for a mismatch yeah. or anything, and it just becomes a mess. So, so smart called that out. Doesn't like it. That became a whole thing. Then Al Horford came out. Uh, as I tweeted, Al Horford uh, played the role of Steve Rogers at Camp Lehigh, just jumping on grenades all over the place. Uh, was very, you know, took a lot of heat for things that, quite frankly, if you watch the game, were not his fault at all. Uh, he was one of the only guys who played well from tip to tail in that game. And then, uh, Jalen Brown didn't speak, so we were all kind of hanging out, waiting, and then we got word from Celtics PR, Jalen Brown's now not available. Uh, Jason Tatum also did not speak. That one's a little less clear because he was not not necessarily going to. Uh, It's not every guy talks every night. Um, It's generally, you know, one or two of the star players will come out if you've got that many, and then kind of key role players from there. So, uh, yeah, it was a mess. you know, that it just wasn't good. It was, you know, this team's really, they're, they're reeling now. That was a win they kind of needed to get against the Bulls. Now they're going on the road. They've got a very road-heavy schedule. All of a sudden going into Orlando to play the really, you know, the Magic have been super sure. frisky. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they they just erased a big deficit in Minnesota and blew out the Wolves. Uh, and, you know, really ran away with it at the end of that game. They're, they're playing really, really hard. And then they got to go play Miami on a back-to-back, and we know the Heat are going to bring it. Uh, so, yeah, it's just, you know, things might get worse before they get better for the Celtics. You know, and just to kind of paint the picture of how different things are in terms of, now it's Zoom media sessions versus the way it used to be. Um, it used to be you're all in the locker room, all the reporters, everybody is is in there, and the players are getting ready to go and all that kind of... Now, finally, playoffs and all that kind of stuff, they're doing more like formal press conference type stuff. Sure. But I'm talking yeah. about just a regular game on a Monday night or whatever, right? You're all in the locker room. Everybody will crowd around one player. They're going to ask a bunch of questions. Eventually, the team's PR will say, "Okay, that's a, that's enough. We're going to uh, that's it. That's lo- that's last question." And then you'll move on and you go talk to somebody else. But everybody's in the same room, right? So you can go yeah. over to a player if you're a reporter. You can go over to a player that's maybe not scheduled to speak. And sometimes if you've got a relationship with that player, you'll be able to chat with them a little bit and you'll get some little key details. And those opportunities aren't there anymore because you're not there 
in person. It's also a little bit different just in terms of the structure where you're not face to face with somebody asking them questions and getting that kind of reaction from them. Instead, it's more of the formal press conference environment. So you lose some of that. I'm curious what would have come out of the Celtics locker room had people been able to be in there and yeah. and how different that might have been, how different these things may have come across. It is weird, though, to say Jalen Brown's available and then suddenly he's not. So something yep. obviously yeah. obviously changed there. And again, that's, that's something where had this been two years ago, you probably would have had a better sense of what was going on because you would have seen it in person. Yeah, or what would have happened is, and this happened regularly, is the player would have hung out in the yes. training room. Yep. And you just that would have too. seen them and it would have been, all right, you know, guys, we're done. Everybody out. And then that's when they would have finally come out. It was, you know, the players had to work at it a little bit more. Whereas now, yeah, the team generally says, all right, here's who we're providing. Some of the some of the franchises will ask, you know, kind of the key beat writers, you know, hey, who right. do you want tonight? And then they'll, you know, kind of say, oh, yeah, give me, you know, X, Y, and Z stars of the game or whatever uh, in that case. So, yeah, it's it's for me is this should have been one where if they're the leaders of the team, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum should mm-hmm. have said, we're going to talk and should have said, well, we'll come out. We're going to take it on the chin here. We're going to go through with the media and say it is what it is. And, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll take the hits and go from there. And instead, it was left to Marcus Smart, now Horford, to take all of it. And that's just, you know, extremely frustrating. It's, you know, this is uh, – it, it was going into last night's game, other than the Toronto game, where they get completely mm-hmm. outplayed, uh, out-hustled and everything. You could really look at it and say, all right, they were – they, they lost in double overtime to the Knicks. They lost a close game to Washington at home where they you know could have won. Then they lost in double overtime to the Wizards. You could have been looking at it very easily saying, all right, this team's two and four, but they could be Absolutely. You know, maybe even five and one. It's, you know, it really was that Toronto one was the only one that was a, you know, outright, you know, butt kicking loss. And then you come back into this, this one. They're right there. They had it, and it just completely fell apart on them. Now, I don't want to go too crazy again. We're only seven games into the season. Um, at least the last couple games, this hasn't been a game where uh, conversation about effort and all that stuff with the Celtics. But it's just some of the same old issues keep coming up, and that's just not not a good place for well, you. Well, I mean, be. first of all, the the Jalen Brown situation that's not a good look. Marcus Smart, I think it's pretty clear that the intent was not what people are making it out to be. But yeah. I think big picture. It, the, the solution to this is obvious, Keith. You have to fire Udoka. Fire fire the coach. Yeah. That's the problem. That's yeah. going to fix everything. Oh, no, wait. Sorry. That's the, the Twitter trolls t- take on, on this well, situation. Well, you know what's funny is I said on that, because there are some people, right? You know the same. Mm-hmm. You you have the same thing yep. with the Lakers fans that I have with the Celtics fans. You get to know which one of your followers are the ones who are just they're they're you know, when the team wins, they're the greatest yep. thing ever. When the team loses, they're the worst. Ride the ever. roller coaster. And then you get to know which ones are your they're kind of the rational, you know, right down the middle fans who are you know reasonable about things and, and stuff like that. Well, even a couple of my reasonable Celtics fan followers have hit with eh, you know, do you know, is Yudoka the guy? And my whole thing is I I started out with you wouldn't be saying this about a rookie player, mm-hmm. you know, six games in, seven games in that this kid's terrible. Get him out of here. And then I was like, well, it's Twitter and it's the Internet. So you probably would be. But 
the reality is he's he's on a learning curve mm-hmm. too. It's going to take him time to figure stuff out. You know, he's he's you know already starting to make some changes that that we're seeing and and that and and I'm not saying he's a great coach because I know. quite frankly we don't yeah. know. You know, we have no idea. There's there's no book to go to here that says yeah this guy you know he's got it he, he's the guy and all that. So it's yeah it's it's just. But like I said, it's not good right now. It may get worse before it gets better, and then we'll we'll see. Yeah, from this there. is something that we see around the NBA, though. This is not just a Celtics thing. This is uh, fans around the league, where it's because of just the nature of fandom, where you're seeing things from afar, and you see something that you don't like, right? So on, on the television, you see, yes. why is this guy in? I would rather have this guy in. Oh, it's the coach. <laughs> yep. He's the problem, right? That's the knee-jerk reaction to anything that's bad with a team. We tend to look at, oh, it must be the co- oh, the coach drew up that play. That's why that happened. The coach is the problem. And that's kind of our first scapegoat, if you will, when things are not going yep. well. And so it doesn't surprise me that people are already saying fire the coach. But look, a coach getting fired seven games into a season is not very realistic. Mike Brown excluded, right? Like, it, it just doesn't happen very often. <laughs> yeah, or, uh, Earl, Earl Watson. Watson. Yeah, right. I mean, it's just it's just not something. But those guys were also not in year one. They were in, you know, year two. So, yeah. Anyway, it's like, I don't know, declining the third year option on a player that you just drafted number 10 (laughs) overall. It's ridiculous. Uh, Oh, man. Suns catch. That's right. That's right. Take that, Phoenix. Um all right, let's move on. I don't want to talk about <laughs> let's this. Do it. Let's get yeah, next next time. Let's um <laughs> let's go to you know Lou Williams saying it's probably his last season. He got he got yeah. drafted at 17, right? He was one of the the high school to yeah. the NBA guys. 2005. Yeah. I mean, he's been around forever. And people forget mid second round pick. Yeah. Too. Yep. Lou Will was he not a guy who was drafted, you know, highly. This was a you know Dude who fought and scrapped his way onto the roster to some this extent. Is, this is the kind of thing where, you know, people get sad or whatever when somebody's career is over or is coming to an end or, you know, it's going to gonna be pretty close or whatever. And I get that. But Lou Williams, I mean, you just got to you gotta applaud him, right? Hell of a career yeah. to, to go from yep. the second round to be 17 years yep. in this league to, read, yep. in some ways, redefine the scorer off the bench position. How many teams said we're yep. looking for a Lou Williams type player off of our bench yeah. in the last what five, six, yep. seven years, he's really done an, an yeah. incredible job. One six man, yep. three times. Uh, I, I'm 100 in favor of renaming the six man award the Lou Williams slash Jamal Crawford Memorial Six Man of the Year Award because mm. when I think six men, those are the first two guys who come to mind for me almost yep. immediately. I just, you know, they they, they you know, really did define that position for a decade, but almost two. You know, between mm-hmm. the two of them, if you you know stretch their two careers, because uh, Jamal Crawford played a lot of years too. So yeah, um, you know, here, here's Lou Williams. Get all the lemon pepper wings That's you want, right. my man, from uh, Magic <laughs> City. <laughs> it's uh, it, you know, enjoy, enjoy, enjoy it if if this is it. Um, shooting percentages are down around the NBA Ooh. so far this season. Uh, some people have been saying it's the new foul rules that's allowing defenses to be. Uh, a bit more aggressive. Others are saying maybe it's the basketball, a new basketball yeah. this year that was switched to, from Spalding to Wilson. Some players complaining, but Keith, I remember when they switched to the synthetic basketball with uh, with Spalding. Yep. The yep. outcry against it, against the Wilson ball this year, has been nowhere near what no. we saw back then when Steve Nash That's was it. saying I his fingers were with... bleeding and stuff like that. Yeah, we got... Um... A couple, well, I, I was uh, 
coaching mm-hmm. at the time at a high school. And we actually got after we got um, some of the syn- synthetic balls. Oh, really? Uh, given to a uh, yeah, because they were like, we don't, we don't want them. When they switched back, we're not using these anymore. And they donated them in our the school I was coaching at. We we got the the balls. Awful. Our kid, the high school kids, didn't want to use yeah. them. They're like these; these suck, and it, and it was true. If anybody has ever played on the playground mm-hmm. with kind of one of those rubbery balls, you you kind of do get like the cuts and abrasions on your fingers if you're out there for you know hours and hours on end. Anybody who's who's a a real hooper knows, right? If you're out there for hours, uh, that's gonna happen, and that's that's what happened with these balls. They they sucked. Now this ball, not nah, it's not like that. But players are saying there it's a little slicker. Mm-hmm. Uh, that they're a little. Uh, some have said the opposite. It's a little tackier. Uh, some feel like the the um, the the Wilson is not raised like the Spalding was oh. on it. So it, it's it's a little bit different. So yeah, it's just it's funny because I tweeted about it this morning, and a lot of people it's that tweet's got pretty good traction. A lot of people have come back with. Man, it's just a ball. Right. Like I play with whatever, yep. and it's like that's mm-hmm. that's not how it works. Like that, that'd be like you know throwing Tiger Woods a mini golf putter, you know, from the local mini golf course, and being like, go win the Masters. Like, no, you you change the equipment on these guys. They're so fine tuned to working with that. Now that said, they're gonna figure it Absolutely. out. And why this one's not changing is. This is not Spalding saying, all right, we'll start digging out and remaking new basketballs the old way and all this. This is a new company, and there's you know millions upon millions of dollars invested here in this. They, they are not going to be changing uh, to to the old ball. That's not going to happen. It's um, you know, it's the kind of thing where the casual fan will say, what are you talking about? I play pickup five nights a week. And whenever I go play, we just use whoever brought a ball. We'll grab that ball and yep. we'll use that one. Whoever ball, whoever has the best ball, right? And, and we'll use that basketball. It's a different ball every single night. Why does it matter for the pros? Because they're used to training with that specific yep. ball constantly, yeah. right? That's the only one they and use. So to change it is a big deal because they've only used that one ball for not for some of them for yeah. what a decade, right? Even more. Oh yeah, more. I mean, some of them because yeah. some of these guys get like an official NBA ball. Mm-hmm when they're in high school and they start working with that and that's what they do, do their stuff with. I've played with Wilson balls yeah, before. I always liked them. Uh, they're heavily used, you know, um, I've never had a problem with, yeah. with the Wilson ball. I, and I have not uh, handled one of these new ones. Um, the, the Spalding ball though. Oh, it's so, it's so nice, man. If it just if, feels like a pillow in your hand, if it's broken in back to you. Perfect. Yeah. If it's, broken if it's in, not, but, you're yeah. like, what is this? Yeah, and, and and I tell people too because people are like, oh yeah, you can buy them. It, it's not the same. You're not getting the exact same same ones as the the league has, but those ones that the league has, because there's been times, let's just say, when we've been uh, hanging out at shoot around back when we used to do such a uh-huh. thing uh, pre pandemic, and if the cart was just sitting there and waiting on people, hey, you get a few shots up. You know, there's not, nothing wrong with that. Uh, Making a ring. every once in a while. Yeah, and show why we're covering the league versus playing in it um but that 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 nba ball man it was it was not it, it, it was sweet so i i get it i get why guys are a little a little cranky i tend to think shooting percentages are down uh all of the above yeah right it's early in the season the new ball the new foul rules they're really allowing physical defense i think it's it's all of the above that's what's caused cause and let me throw that this is a little bit of an aside it's related here 
I have not been disappointed with the product that we've seen, even though shooting no. percentages are down. For the years, the league's been saying scoring, 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 scoring. That's what's going to bring fans in. And perhaps it's, you know, obviously we we are slightly obsessed about the NBA. So we're going to be watching it no matter what. So maybe, <laughs> maybe the casual fan notices a difference. But to me, the games have been just as exciting, if not more exciting. Yeah. And I don't even notice that scoring is down. What I notice is that we're not taking so many free throws and stopping the game constantly. And I'll gladly take that trade off if the shooting percentages are down a little bit. That That's fine to me. So Great. I'm hoping that things kind of stay as is in terms of the foul calls. I, I do agree. I think it's the defense. I don't think it's the ball so much. Hey, let me hit one other thing because this is not in our show rundown. Uh -oh. I just thought of it where you were saying the free throw shooting. Did you see Shams tweet tonight? Uh, yes. And I'm trying to go back in my mind because I just did the Lakers uh, media the, availability. You, they are going to, they're going to look at the take fouls. The take That's foul. right. Oh, Thank so you. Happy. That makes me so happy. That just makes me, me the big, biggest, you know, smile I, I could get <laughs> uh, off of that. It just, it, it needs to happen. This is, you know, I've been, I sound, probably sound like a, you know, old, uh, grandpa Simpson yelling at the clouds. It was obvious um, though. It had to happen. He, it, it has to happen. And in the good thing, you know, too, by no means am I saying I did this because yeah. I did not. But when multiple media members are repeatedly tweeting about yep. it night after night after night, it gets noticed. It is also a way that then the players feel like, hey, if they're talking about it, I can talk about it, too. And everybody can can get into yep. it. So, yeah, it's uh, this is the, the this is great. Yes. Like this, this, this is the, the best. Let's. Get the, the game cleaned up. Let's get it more free flowing. Let's get it up and down. I like too these game games were starting some of these games with so many free throws. They were starting to push the heck out of three hours at yeah. times to play yep. a regulation basketball game. And I'm not one of these people who complains about how long baseball games are, how long football games are, and those kind of things. But it does start to push. Now it also maybe it's a little bit different because it's it's it's. it's I, I don't know how to say this without out coming off like a jerk. It is our job. Like, and there are times when it's like, all right, come on, let's get the workday moving here. <laughs> you know, when it's, you know, a, a, a 10 point game with five minutes to go in the fourth quarter and you know, it's going to take 25 minutes because of a million free throws. You, there is times when it's like, yeah, we have the best job in the world. Don't get me wrong. I'm not complaining by any means, but there are times when it's a little like, all right, then I got to do post game. I got to do this. Then I got to get in the car. I got to drive home. And you're starting to do do a little bit of math. And it's like, hey, home until like 1.30 in the morning. Like it starts to be a little there. So anything we could do to clean it up, let's do it. That's that's true. That And that's true, right? And that is, and I've been in that situation and I've been doing the math in my head, like thinking, okay, when are we actually getting out of here tonight? Especially when it's yep. like a summer league game that goes to overtime and you're like... <laughs> Come on, our preseason game. No, that, yeah, but that's a summer that's, league game. That's called you get out yeah, of there. Yeah, I should have said I should have said preseason, <laughs> right? A preseason game that goes to overtime, yeah, something something like that. Um, but meanwhile, of course, all of our viewers and listeners right now are rolling their eyes and saying, "You guys cover basketball for a living. You get to watch basketball games for I, like, come on." Yeah, <laughs> I I'm already I feel gross for it. That's fine. Go ahead and flame me in the comments <laughs> on this this video and on the podcast. I I deserve all of it. I I should not complain this is the best by far and away the best job i've ever had i love it so much but yeah it's uh you know not all right all right let's get through one more cranky story just because it kind of bums me out it makes me yes. sad um 
health and safety protocols, man. Why are we back to this? Like I thought we were done. Like I thought I get it. The pandemic's not over. I fully understand that. Hallelujah. That kids kid five to 11 can now get vaccinated Mm -hmm. in my opinion. Uh, But we'll leave that there. But Kevin Love, Chris Middleton, Tobias Harris, two key, two key guys on playoff teams. Mm-hmm. And Kevin Love's been a key bench guy for, for a surprisingly good Cavs team early. Just in the beat season. the Hornets. All out. Yeah. All out now. And we don't know for how long. Uh, Love and Harris, we know several games. Mm-hmm. So that presumably means that they've each had a positive test. Yeah. Uh, sources have indicated that Love is vaccinated, uh, which sounds like it's then a breakthrough case. I've not seen the same on Harris, so I don't know. I don't want to speculate if he is or isn't. I don't know that he shared that I or mean, not. I mean, the odds are that he is, but we don't know for, for sure. But just yeah, just based on the NBA's numbers that they've put yeah. out in terms of how many are versus aren't, but we don't we can't say exactly. for sure. Yeah, yeah, math would say, yeah. right? Because we know we're down to like 15 right. total guys exactly. or whatever. Um. Chris Middleton, we don't know either. We also don't know what his uh, length of absence is mm-hmm. going to be. The other two, there was reporting uh, from the top news guys. I think it was Woj and Shams uh, had those reports that they were going to be out for several days. We know it's 10 days minimum of uh, quarantine time if you test positive. Middleton, may he may have been more of a expo, uh, one of the close contact mm-hmm. uh, to it. If he was, then that's a shorter time frame. So we'll see where we're going to find out with um, – you know, with that one, but yeah, just sucks with, you know, three guys, you know, three key players on uh, teams that are, are uh, two teams that are uh, playoff teams in the Sixers and Bucks. And then uh, the Cavs who, you know, maybe will be a playoff team. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah. we'll, we'll see what, hopefully we don't get too many more of these, but again, yeah. getting them in rapid succession like this, not great. Um, and more not, Great. Well, I mean, I guess you could look at this as glasses half full. Zion Williamson, two to three weeks away from practicing. Two weeks away from being two weeks away? No, sorry. Two (laughs) two to three weeks away from practicing. This is like the sad show tonight. I don't don't like this. We need to pick this thing up, man. I know. (laughs) I know. We've got some better ones to finish out the show. But yeah, Zion, and we've heard, obviously, we mentioned this on our last show, the weight concerns with him already and now he's not even going to practice for two to three weeks which means realistically we could be looking at a month maybe till he gets back on the floor i mean how many how long are they going to want him to practice and ramp things up there before they actually put him into a game situation it it may be a while i'm thinking early december yeah early december is the the earliest we see him maybe mid-december at this point and then is it going to be doesn't play back-to-backs is on a minutes limit whatever it is are they going to do that burst thing again which he you know very much hated mm-hmm. um well, well we'll see uh yeah it, it just kind of sucks i will also say too is there's this new trend in the nba we've talked about this a couple times especially really kind of going back to last season's playoffs yeah. but but uh it's happening again these teams just not being honest with injury stuff yeah. off the jump like like this zion thing this is now we're finally getting actual clarity but he broke his foot over the summer, and we found out at uh, media right. day at the end of September. That's not not. This should have been something everybody should have known. Um, you know, it, this there's no competitive advantage gained here beyond the first game. 
you know, you can kind of understand in the playoffs mm-hmm. where, you know, make them prepare for a guy or not. But I mean, at that point, even in the playoffs, they're, they're preparing as if a guy's going to play. And then you take a bonus if he doesn't, you know, you're not preparing as if guys don't play. So it's just, yeah, that's just frustrating. It's, I don't, I don't like this. No. I'm not a big fantasy guy. I'm not a daily fantasy guy. I'm not a big gambler, but it matters uh, not, for that stuff. gambler period, but it does matter for all that stuff. And that stuff is important mm-hmm. to a lot of people who love and follow this league. And quite frankly, invest tons and tons of time and money into the, that part of the league. So that, that part's just really frustrating for me that, you know, would just be, be transparent uh, right off the jump, you know, as much as you can be. It's okay. Like Kawhi Leonard, it's still like, there's no timetable, mm-hmm. but They've also said it's going to be a while. So, like, we're not asking every day, you know, with, with this stuff. And, like, you shouldn't be finding out that, you know, one of the league's absolute true young stars is, you know, had a broken foot and not going to be available. We should not have found that out at media day. That's I, it also bananas that that didn't leak. Yeah. Before. How did that not? How, yeah. How did that like, not that, come out? Yeah, I'm no, like, I have no idea. Like, yeah. Yeah. And it's very clear because it's not one of those things where um, it's like he broke it the day of like that morning. Like that, that's not what happened right. here that he didn't show up for his physical and they found out it was broken. Cause they were like, no, yeah, it happened, you know, blah, blah, blah weeks ago. So yeah, just, all right, let's get to a good injury story. James Wiseman yep. cleared to fully practice. Uh, he's, he's going to be uh, back soon for the warriors. Um, I think that's interesting for them. I think uh, their second unit could use a little bit of scoring punch. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, Wiseman will help that. And then uh, it sounds like clay Thompson uh, getting closer to a return to to practice uh, still sounds like probably did th- th- that timeline seems very fluid it's you know we've heard holidays we've heard first of the year yeah. so my guess is any time between probably december 1st and january 1st yeah. uh for clay thompson somewhere in there yeah i mean they, point, they, and so. they're not going to push it they're not going to nope. you know when he's ready he's ready and uh yeah, it sounds like point, he's getting closer though you've gone two years yeah right <laughs> no reason to no reason to try to push it two days no. so, yeah absolutely uh another positive story just because because we like stuff like this here even though it does take a little intrigue out of the show for us. Damian Lillard uh, basically very nicely said, thank you, Philly fans. I appreciate you chanting, come to Philly or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. But uh, I like I this know, quote. I'm 10 toes in Rip City. <laughs> like, I thought that was, that's just that's fun, a good way right? to put it. That's just a fun way to put it. I'm all in. So, yeah, I, I think that's um that, that's pretty cool. I think, um, you know, good to see, uh, you know, he's going to stick around. So that's that hopefully now puts an end to all this stuff. It was funny because I did see somebody replies like, yeah, you say that now when you're shooting 25%. We don't, you know, they don't watch you anymore. <laughs> so, but it's like, come on. It's, you know, it's Damian Lillard. Like, oh, like, yeah. Gotta, you know, yeah. And he had a great quote about dealing with adversity. And it's it's a long yeah. quote. Like he went into detail. So yes. I'm not going to read the whole thing. But yeah. if you go, find yeah, it. go find it. It's a fantastic way to look at adversity and the way to look at at just kind of life in general. He's talking about basketball, but it's a great way to look at at problem solving and dealing with tough situations and th- and things like that. It was a very cool quote from him that was a lot more in depth than a just typical yeah. sports answer would be. So very cool to see Damian Lillard kind of elaborate and, his and thoughts really on that. A, yeah, it really applies to to the idea of it being early yes. in the season. Mm-hmm. Cause he touched on that as well. Like, you know, but yeah, it's, it, it's cool. I think um, when we look back on it in, I don't even know like how many years, I think we're going to look back on it and be like, man, that was pretty cool. Like yeah. Dame's whole deal. Like his, his whole 
thing, you know, and, and, and it is, you know, it's, there's still something special when a guy, you know, goes, you know, wire to wire with the same franchise. Yeah. Like there's just something cool about that. And, and, you know, I mean, you know, better than me, cause we talk, you know, on here and off here. I don't fault guys when they go try to get a ring too. Like I don't have any problem with that. Sure. Cause if we're going to judge that as, you know, one of the number one criteria for all time rankings and everything else, I have no issue with it, but yeah, I'm, I'm just kind of hoping he, uh, you know, he, he hangs out there for, for a little while longer. Um, last thing we've got is Kevin Porter jr. Team, team yeah. option, team option picked yep. up there. So, so good news yep. for him as kind of the team option kind of dwindle as, as those are, are, we're putting, we're closing that book here. Yeah. I think what is um, good too is this is a guy who came into the league with a little bit of baggage. Mm -hmm. He was drafted uh, at the end of the first round and then immediately traded by the Pistons to the Cavs with the idea of, you're going to take less than the full rookie scale amount, which rarely happens uh, because he had some some baggage coming in. And then after that, had some issues in Cleveland, got him to Houston, got him with the right people in Houston, and then really had a you know kind of breakout season last year. And now you know looks like he's going to be a big part of what they're they're trying to build mm -hmm. there uh, with, with the Rockets. So you know, good on Kevin Porter for getting things right. And you know, figuring out and be becoming a really productive uh, player. He, he, even if let's get the turnovers under control, yes. my man. Like that, <laughs> you know, uh, but that that goes for the entire That's, Rockets team. Uh, yeah. You know, when uh, uh, otherwise wear wear a helmet if you're sitting close to the floor in Houston, because you know you you might get you might get a ball off the dome otherwise. To give you an example, so like I've seen in the last last few days, I've seen a lot of fans complaining about Team X's announce crew right and how some announcers are, are not that great others are, are better there's a lot of announcers that are very homerish there's some that are that try to play down the middle or whatever um the lakers announce crew Stu lance and, and bill mcdonald um they tend to be more towards the middle of course they're going to lean a little bit towards lakers but they're not like like san antonio's announce crew is known for being very one-sided and, and things like that oh yeah you know and so you'd get there's some varieties yeah. among different announce crews but anyway Bill McDonald, the Stu Lance, they're they're trying to in the last game with the Lakers and the Rockets, they're trying to play things down the middle, and they're being as close <laughs> as they can. But the game had gotten out of hand. It wasn't pretty, and Stu Lance, who's been doing this forever, right? He's been doing this forever. He just basically checked out on air and spent his time digging through stats. So it's just Bill McDonald talking. He's digging through stats, trying to find out what the record was for turnovers in a game because the Rockets were getting close to it. <laughs> That's how many turnovers yeah. they had. He knew that it was somewhere close to the record. And so he took a bunch of time on air because the game was a second thought at that point. And, and so he was uh, was looking up stats to find out how many more turnovers the Rockets had to get in order to uh, hit the record. My favorite one of, like, of that kind of thing is... Uh is baseball just because in in the 162 game baseball season yeah. there's going to be a couple where like it's just the game's out of hand it's not there's nothing interesting happening right. baseball is also a little di different too right because there's no clock <laughs> yeah so they're just kind of they're they're trying to get through it and what i think is like absolutely amazing is when it goes completely off the rails and then the announcers like they can't even keep it straight anymore. yeah like they're laughing they're just you know it's because then it like uh, that's when it becomes relatable right that's when it's almost like oh man they're they're kind of like us you know hanging right. out watching a game like with our boys and you know just just shooting the you know 
breeze, I guess. So I'll keep it family friendly <laughs> and uh, that. And yeah, so I, I do think it's, uh, you know, that that's pr- pretty, pretty funny. I, I, I love when that stuff happens. So I did not happen to catch that part yeah. of it live. Um, but yeah, that's I do what I do on League Pass. Somebody asked me this on League Pass because uh-huh. I've tweeted a couple times the picture of the eight box on DirecTV, yeah. um, which I, now that's my new favorite thing in the world. I, I absolutely love it. Um, when the Celtics play, just because of the nature of my job, I watch the Celtics. I generally dial in. I'll have another game on another screen and I'll pop into it on occasion mm-hmm. and pop in and out. Um, but when it's not, what I'll do is I do like that one now, but I'll flip in and out. But I tend to go with the home announced yeah. teams just because that, that you're getting different perspectives there. And I'll see every team roughly equally throughout the course of the year. So I'll, you know, pop in and out and all that. But there are a couple and I don't want to get into them here because I don't want to be insulting. Right. I just I, I can't do yeah. it. There, there's a couple that I'm like, I'm out. Well, there, there's some you know, where it's so yeah. over the top where when they like if a foul gets called against their team. And it's a legitimate yeah. foul, and they are yeah, beside themselves and angry, and, all, and I'm like, well, the, like that was pretty clearly a foul, and you know, it, it gets a little bit extreme sometimes. So I agree. There, there's one, some that I try to avoid as well. One of my favorites right now, and it's really fun because they're a fun team and they're 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 playing well, is um, the Hornets. Uh-huh. I, I, yep. I can't. I, I think it is. It might be Eric Collins. I apologize if, if I have the name incorrect. Their, their lead broadcast mm-hmm. guy on their home broadcast. He and it, he's been this way forever, so it's not just now. But now he's like over the top. It's like th- this is like a legit call. It's like Miles Bridges with a pull up. Yes, yeah. he goes crazy, and he's like the Hornets lead six to two. Yeah, eleven <laughs> minutes left in the first quarter, and it's like he's so fired up about everything the Hornets do. You can't help but get pulled in and like be there with him. Like you're there on that ride with him to be like, yeah. And it's like, I I remember when I want to say when Kevin, Kevin Harlan maybe was the wolves guy. I I may be making that up. Uh I might have that wrong, but I just remember him doing wolves games uh back when kg was on the wolves and that's when i remember him you know breaking out the he went up high and came down hard <laughs> you know and i just the the those broadcasters that stand out and like pull you into the game like i, I love it it's just that's that you know g- give me that all the time versus the guys who are you know just they're they're obviously bland they're bitter they're cranky and all that. Yes, I'm all about for it. sure. hundred percent. Yep. And, and, you know, back in the day, I was the one where my dad was the one really making this decision. We would turn off the volume on the TV oh, yeah. to listen to Chick Hearn on the radio because that oh, was because that, that was too. so that was just magical, you know. Yep. So, um, yeah, that the, and then the, didn't the Lakers makes... for a while. Didn't he simulcast mm-hmm. like the fourth quarter yep. or something like that? Wasn't that what it yeah. was like on TV and on the radio? Yep, he would yeah, say on the simulcast. Cool. Yep. He, yeah, the Celtics guys had the Celtics guy Johnny Most mm-hmm. was um a, a, people now know Tommy Heinsohn because mm-hmm. of League Pass and all that and you know RIP to Tommy RIP to Johnny Most and Chick Hearn as well um but people knew Tommy Heinsohn as the you know he'd yell and scream and all this stuff well Johnny Most on the radio he was the radio guy when I was a kid grow, growing up and Johnny Most <laughs> would. You could you one of the favorite things to do. Same thing. You'd mute the TV and you'd listen to Johnny Most call the game on the radio. And like Larry Bird would drive to the basket, someone would breathe on him, like, "Oh my 
my God, they're killing Larry Bird out there tonight. They're throwing him around into the front row. And it's the radio. So the people who are listening on the radio have no, like, they're like, Larry Larry Bird, like, he must be dead. And it's like, you know, he's fine. It's just, you know, guy breathed on him as he went by. But my most favorite thing was, this is tells you the time and era, and it was in the 80s, he would smoke. While he was calling the games, Johnny Most would. And one time he dropped his cigarette and set his pants on. Oh my gosh. While he was on the broadcast. <laughs> yeah. So, so just to get, give a sense of what, what he was, he had this, you know, super, you can imagine, right? Super gravelly voice. He's the one, if you, if you hear the two famous calls, Havlicek uh-huh. stole the ball, right? That famous call, that's him in the one where, um, Bird has this deal against the Pistons and it's a, Oh, there's a steal by bird on the lead to DJ lays it up and in. I, I'll never forget it. Cause I remember watching it live. That's also his call uh, as well. So that's a, uh, you know, that, that's just, you know, a couple of things there that are really fun um, stuff. But yeah, man, I, I, I get super into it and that's the stuff like that. I love about. Lee yes. Pass, right. You get popping in and, and it kind of feels like with some of these guys, it's like, yeah, man, I, you know, I'm pop, popping in with my friends here to enjoy a little bit of a little, little bit of time and a little bit of fun, but you, my friend have to go cover. I do. Game, so we should probably wrap this up and call yeah. it a night as we're doing a late That's right. night version of the front office. Keith, I, I do want to finish with, with one thing. And I think you will like this. Uh, Mike oh, Norman, who here. does the, the Celtics, the Celtics called. Yeah. Now. And this was back when uh, Tommy Heinsohn w- was still around, but he wasn't traveling, right? So I was in Phoenix yep. for a game, and I went and I, on a as a favor to a friend, I went and covered the Celtics uh, in Phoenix, and uh, I went and I was I walk into their their uh, cafeteria area or whatever, like their their dinner area, and I went and I got my got my dinner, and I was like, well, who do I want to sit with? And I went, and I went, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to go and sit with the Celtics, with the Celtics announcers, since I'm covering them today. And so I went and I sat down with them and it was Brian Scalabrini and Mike Gorman and they're sitting there and I sit down, mm-hmm. I introduced myself and they, and they asked and they were super welcoming, super nice. And they asked, they said, what do you do? I said, well, I'm actually here for so-and-so covering the, the, the Celtics tonight I said, but I actually cover the Lakers. And I was thinking, okay, here it comes. They're going to give me crap and all this kind of stuff, right? No, they were the, just the nicest, most welcoming people. Scalabrini started yeah, to... Mike Gorman yes, they started. Brian Scalabrini started debating about, you know, what sets the Lakers were running and things like that and whether or not certain things were working. Very, very cool um, and just great people to meet in person. So that was just a great experience with the, the Celtics announce crew. Yeah, I mean, I, I, right, we're all partial to our people, yeah. but Mike Gorman literally has been the voice of my entire basketball fandom like my from a kid all the way to now like he's called the games and i just i you know losing tommy was really rough because there's just been like it just doesn't feel the same and scal does a great job i i don't a lot of people hate on scal and i think part of it is he's he's not tommy so i think people have you know that's hard for people but it's made it real that someday Mike Gorman won't be there. And like, that just like, it's just, that will never be the same. He has periods where like he takes some time Mm -hmm. off, like he won't do some trips too. And they'll send, send other people. And it's just, it it is just not the same watching the Celtics when it's not Mike Gorman. And you know, especially like I do when you live out of market sometimes too, you have to, like, if they're on, league pass or not are on nba you TV. get the other team sometimes yep. you're watching your team but you're getting the other team's announced crew and it just it always feels yep. weird it's like yeah like 
you can make it work when it's ESPN, TNT, because you get it, right? But NBA TV, it's like, ah, you know, but I always try to take that as an, as a, all right, let me hear what they think of, of, of the team I cover on a day-to-day basis. But yeah, that's awesome, man. Mike, Mike Gorman is, he's just the best. I, you know, I, I love it. All right. I'm going to break a little loose for you. LeBron's going to play tonight and he's going to start. They they mentioned on Vogel's pregame presser that we that we did just a little bit ago he said he's questionable but he was hopeful he was going to play lebron's been putting on instagram that like he's so pumped to play tonight and all that so it was pretty clear he was going to play but they had him officially listed as questionable so they had to take him with the small lineup though I yeah like it. the ad at the five group yep. yeah that's that's good we'll talk about that more though I, here's my prediction for mm-hmm. tonight the houston rockets go into right in la they go into los angeles they only turn it over 22 22 times. times. That's <laughs> 22 times. And you are optimistic about the Rockets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Enjoy. All your right, game. everybody. Make sure you do subscribe to the NBA front office YouTube channel. Don't forget to turn on those notifications as well. Till next time. Stay safe. See ya.